a young lady was just going about her business, and all of a sudden an angel appears before her. What an amazing, amazing occurrence. But more amazing than the appearance of an angel was the message the angel brought. Look at what the Bible says in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Dear Heavenly Father, this time of year especially, we remember you sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be born of this virgin that we have just read about. And Lord, we remember this at this time. Of course, we know that you were not born on December 25th. Lord, we know that a lot of the trappings that surround this holiday have nothing to do with you or your word. But Lord, we set aside some time today to remember the way that you came, and we're so glad that you did. Lord, help us now as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned a minute ago, we know that Jesus Christ was not born on December 25th. Is that right? And we know that many of the things that surround this holiday come from pagan origins that have absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. Amen? Santa Claus does not save. Jesus Christ saves. Amen? Jesus Christ really does see everything. Jesus Christ really does know everything. He is the Son of God who came. I want us to look especially this morning in verse 38 of Mary's answer to the announcement of the angel. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. This was a statement of humble submission. Humble submission. Now, how many of you would have had a few more questions? 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to need a little bit more information. That's the way that I would be. And I'm sure that's the way that many of you were. And that's why God didn't come to you. He understood that Mary had a very deep and significant faith in her God. You know what I love about this? She was just a teenage girl. Like you guys, you ladies. Laura and I were noticing a minute ago how tall this row has gotten here. These, these boys are growing into young men. These young ladies, these young ladies, these small girls that we've grown up with, they're growing into to women. And we're praying that they'll be godly women who will humbly submit to the Word of God. Who will humbly submit to the Word of God. This was a statement of humble submission. What was she submitting to? She was submitting to an announcement that God was going to do something supernatural with her and in her. Humble submission. Humble submission. Uh, I want you to think about something. When Mary submitted to what the angel was saying, she said, Be it unto me according to thy word. Why did she accept the angel's word? Because she accepted that it had come from God. So here's my, my question to you this morning is, are you humbly submitting to God's word? Now, we could do a fluffy thing about Christmas and joy and happiness and light. And there is all of that surrounding Christmas, isn't there? But do you know where the joy really comes? The joy really comes from submitting to His Word. From submitting to His Word. The song, All is Well. All is Well that Maureen just sang. Do you know how all will be well with you? If you will humbly submit to the Word of God the way that Mary did here. Uh, now, I, I promise I won't have you vote a lot today. But how many of you struggle with humbly submitting to God's Word? What a great lesson for us today then. What a great message. Mary's response to the angel is the one we should all strive to prayerfully give. Do you know that our lack of humble submission changes the way that we look at God? Our lack of humble submission changes the way that we pray. It changes the way that we approach God. Here's what I mean. Are you happy with where God has you right now? Are you at peace with where God has you right now? Have you been asking God for something and you're praying to Him and He doesn't seem to be hearing you? He doesn't seem to be doing what you want Him to do. The question is this. Is God your humble servant or are you His? You know, sometimes we have this abracadabra type thing with prayer. You know, we pray, God, do this. Shazam! And everything happens exactly the way that I want it to. Uh, how many of you have had your children ask you for something for Christmas that you're not going to give them? Jacob asked for um, all of the Toys R Us Corporation. <laughs> He's setting his sights a little high. 
Y'all need to give me a raise if we're going to be doing that. Now look, of course he was joking. But how many of you, your children ask you for things that there's just no way in the world you're going to give it to them? We have this joke from the uh, uh, oh Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. Buy it for me, Daddy. Get it for me. Buy it for me, Daddy. And so Lydia does that all the time. We'll be going through something. She'll see a, she likes those little Volkswagen bugs. You know, she'll see one of those and she'll say, Buy it for me, Daddy. Oh, yes, precious, anything. Anything for you. You all know what I'm talking about? Do you know that that's the way that we approach God? Now, how many of you want the best for your children? And so sometimes they'll ask you for something, and you know that's not the best for them. Now, sometimes we give them something frivolous because we love them. You know, they ask for something that's silly, and we know that they'll use it for a couple of days, and it's going to go in the toy box or be hung in the closet, you know, like exercise equipment. You know, we, we buy them these things because we love them and we give them some frivolous things. And I'm sure that God does that for us. Is that right? You know, you look around the world and there are many things that are just wonders that really don't seem to have any purpose in the world and yet God created them for us to enjoy. So I think that those frivolous gifts are fun. You know, those big fat candy canes that no one can ever actually eat, right? Aren't those are awesome to get though, aren't they? They're fun. They're cool. They're beautiful. No, some of you don't like those things, no, but I think they're cool. Those are those frivolous kinds of things that we can get that God will give us, but God will never give us anything that harms us. And God will never give us anything that will violate His person, His character, or that will not bring Him the glory that is His due. He will not give us anything that will do that. Would you all agree with me on that? So this, So Mary's humble acceptance, humble submission to what the angel had said was coming from God, that is the way that we are to approach God. Lord, you are not my servant. I do not order or command you. But do you know what happens when we do approach Him with humble submission? Listen to what happens. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do you know what happens when we approach the Lord with thanksgiving? That's an acknowledgement that He has done well for us. How many of you would agree that God's been good to you? God's been good. God's been good. And so that acknowledgement, and this is something that we try to teach our children around Christmas time. We try to teach it all the time, but we try to remind them at Christmas time, be thankful. Be thankful. Have you ever seen a kid open a present and they weren't thankful? How many of you have seen that happen? That child should get no more presents that will help them to be thankful. How many of you would, how many of you would agree that would help them to be thankful? I told you I wouldn't have you vote so much. You don't have to raise your hand anymore. Now, now this is very important. This is very important. Humble submission with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. How many of you think Mary really understood everything that was going on? No. Do you know that you're never going to understand everything that God's doing? I think one of the hardest things for me, the hardest thing for anyone to say to me is this. Not yet. That's harder than no. You mean I've got to wait for it? You know, I'm the one standing by the microwave. 
right? We got a Keurig coffee maker, makes your coffee just like that. It's way too slow. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Do you think Mary understood what was going on? Was the result good? And she had no idea. She had no idea. We live in an information age where you can Google anything. Right? Do you know who really knows what you've been doing? NSA. Oh, yeah. They know exactly what you want for Christmas. Right? Now, look. This is so interesting. We're used to the immediate understanding of anything. I read my books on my iPad. If there's, a, if there's a word I don't know, I touch it. And then I touch one more thing, and I have the definition of that word. Right? If there's an event I don't know, I highlight that event, I touch it, and I hit Google. And there it is. It tells me some lie about that event. It's unbelievable the way that happens. <laughs> there is immediate information, immediate answers. Is that right? Oh, I've, I've got a bump on my head. Okay, let me, let me, let me, what is that? Okay, what is that? It's cancer. Oh, no. The problem with having immediate information is many times we don't have the knowledge or the wisdom to process that information. Right? Is that true? That's absolutely true. How many of you think Mary could have comprehended everything that God was doing? But what did she do? She humbly submitted to His Word. Don't raise your hand on this. Is there something that God wants you to humbly submit to right now that He's doing? To humbly accept? Hmm. Uh, I wrote some questions down. Am I thankful for where God has me right now? Am I thankful for what He has done to this point? Oh, and then this one. What are my expectations? You know, when the child opens the Christmas presents and is disappointed... Why is that? Because they, accept, they expected something better. They expected something better. When God does something for you, when God answers prayer in a way that you don't understand, are you disappointed? No, let's step back. We're human. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, that's how much higher His thoughts are than our thoughts. We can't understand what He's doing. So don't feel guilty for being disappointed in what God does. That's not sin. Sin is wallowing in it. Amen? Humbly. Are you able to say this? Be it unto me according to thy word. You realize how different that is than this statement? I'm going to tell you a statement that I hate. I hate it. It is what it is. How many of you ever heard that? I, mean, I told you you didn't have to raise your hands anymore. <laughs> it is what it is. No, 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 no. The issue is, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, I'm your humble servant. I'm yours. Do with me as you please. If you want me to go to New Guinea and be a missionary, if you want me to live in the jungle, if you want my children to be born under a tree so that people can get the gospel, be it unto me 
according to thy word. If you want me to live in a humble house so that I can minister to you, I'll do that. If you want me to live alone, to be an example, I'll do that. If you want me to suffer so the world can see the difference between the way a Christian suffers and the way a pagan suffers, be it unto me according to thy word. That's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Now, let me just say this. this is, here's the disclaimer on the bottom, the disclaimer. I don't want any of that to happen to me. Think anyone says, hey, I get to suffer today. Praise God. Yes. Cancer, all right. No, 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 no. Lord, I trust you. Don't understand. Don't have the answers. I don't like it. But I'm yours. I'm yours. That's Mary. Be it unto me according to thy word. This was a statement of humble submission, but it was also a statement of humble acceptance. She said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She believed the message from God, and she willingly became the vessel God would use to save the world. What an amazing thing. She became the vessel that God would use to save the world. Now, her acceptance is the same way that we accept today. Here's what she said. Here's what the angel said. Um, you're going to have a baby with no man be being involved. And that baby's going to be the son of God. Now, how many of you think that'd be a weird message to receive? Yeah, yeah. But she accepted it because she knew God and she knew this was a messenger from God. She accepted it. That's the same way that we accept today. So you're telling me, you're telling me that some guy who was God died on the cross 2,000 years ago and he actually rose from the dead. He, he's alive today and he wants to save me so that I can go to heaven and I don't have to go to hell. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly, that's exactly what we're telling them. So how do we come to him? The same way that Mary accepted what the angel said, by faith. Did, she, did Mary have any evidence that this was going to happen? No. What is faith? Hebrews 11 says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says in another place that if you see it, it's not faith. Is that right? So faith is believing something. Why? Because God said it. Listen to what else it says. Hebrews 11.6 says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So her acceptance, the way that she accepted the message from the angel, that's the same way that we accept Christ today. Have you accepted Christ? Do you, is Christ your personal Savior? You see, there's a difference between believing that God entered into the world and believing that God entered into the world for you. How many of you understand that's different? Do you know that Jesus Christ came into the world to save you? You know how I know that? Because He, said he came to save all men. He tasted death for every Man, is there a person here today that's not a person? If you're not a person, would you raise your hand? <laughs> you're not a person. All right. All right. Now, I, I see some brothers and sisters pointing to each other. 
I understand that. I said to Jacob a while back, I said, as an outsider, how do you view the human race? Right? We understand that these things happen. But Jesus Christ came into the world not only to save mankind, He came into the world to save me. See, that's the personal faith. What Mary was not asked to believe that the Son of God was coming into the world. She was asked to believe that she would bear, she would bear, as a virgin, the Son of God. That's what she was asked to believe. You see, she accepted this personally, personally becoming personally involved in the message. That's what salvation is. When you get saved, you are personally accepting the message. Look at Luke chapter 2. I'll show you something. So, Mary has gone to see her cousin Elizabeth. And look at what it says in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. I'm sorry, Luke 1. Luke 1. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my what? Savior. Savior. You know that Mary needed a Savior? How many of you believe that Mary needed a Savior? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Why do we believe that? Because she said so. She's rejoicing in God, her Savior. How did God choose to save the world? Through that son that she was going to bear. Not Joseph's son. The son of God. The Son of God. That's what she accepted. That simple acceptance. So this was a statement of humble submission. It was a statement of humble acceptance. But this is a statement of profound significance. A statement of profound significance. Because there had never been a virgin birth before. And Jesus Christ had to enter into the world that way. I want you to think about something. This is from a famous sermon that was preached in 1925. Let me read this to you. Now, everybody... Focus on this. It's hard to listen to something that's read. But listen to this, and I want you to notice if there's anything troublesome in it. We may well begin with the vexed and mooted question of the virgin birth of our Lord. I know people in the Christian churches, ministers, missionaries, laymen, devoted lovers of the Lord and servants of the gospel, who alike as they are in their personal devotion to, to the Master, hold quite different points of view about a matter like the virgin birth. Here, for example, is one point of view, that the virgin birth is to be accepted as historical fact. Now, how many of you think the virgin birth is a historical fact? Yeah. All right. It actually happened. There was no other way for a personality like the master to come into this world except by a special biological miracle. That's one point of view. And there are many gracious and beautiful souls who hold it. But side by side with them in the evangelical churches is a group of equally loyal and reverent people who would say that the virgin birth is not to be accepted as an historical fact. So far from thinking that they have given up anything vital in the New Testament's attitude toward Jesus, these Christians remember that the two men who contributed most to the church's thought of the divine meaning of the Christ were Paul and John, who never even distantly allude to the virgin birth. How many have a problem with that? Yeah, yeah. Here in the Christian churches are these two groups of people 
And the question which the fundamentalists raise is this, shall one of them throw the other out? Has intolerance any contribution to make to this, to this situation? Will it persuade anybody of anything? Is not the Christian church large enough to hold within her hospitable fellowship people who differ on points like this and agree to differ until fuller truth be manifested? The fundamentalists say not. They say the liberals must go. Well, if the fundamentalists should succeed, then out of the Christian church would go some of the best Christian life and consecration of this generation. Multitudes of men and women, devout and reverent Christians, who need the church and whom the church needs. Now, that was Harry Emerson Fosdick, famous liberal pastor. All right. So let me ask you a question. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what a Christian is. So can a person be a Christian and not believe in who Jesus Christ is? The, the argument is silly. It's a silly argument. And yet all over America, all over Sydney today, there are churches where there's some kind of worship service going on right now where the people in that building simply do not believe that Jesus Christ actually was born of a virgin. They're not Christians. They're not Christians. A Christian is a follower of Christ. They're following someone who was not Christ. The great Baptist preacher, he was pastor at First Baptist Church in New York City at the same time that Harry Emerson Fosdick was the pastor at the Riverside Church in New York City. The Riverside Church where Harry Emerson Fosdick became the pastor used to be the Fifth Avenue Baptist Church where the famous Thomas Armitage, the great Baptist preacher and historian, had been the pastor. John D. Rockefeller was the head of the deacons who called Harry Emerson Fosdick to be the pastor of that church. There at the First Baptist Church in New York City, you remember I've told you about John Ganneau, the man who was George Washington's chaplain and who baptized George Washington in the Potomac River, the famous John Ganneau. He was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in New York City in the Revolutionary War. Here in the late 1800s and early 1900s, uh, I am Isaac Massey Haldeman was pastor of this church now. Listen to what he said in response to Fosdick. I affirm the repudiation of the virgin birth is necessarily the setting aside of the whole system of Christianity. Is that right? That's what Mary was acknowledging. Without understanding all the ramifications of Christianity in the church, she had no idea about any of that. She just accepted that she was going to give birth to the Son of God without the agency of a human man. That's what she understood. And that is the foundation of everything, everything, everything that we believe. You see, we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship the one who came and was born of a virgin. We worship the preexistent one. As it says in Micah 5, 2, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be small among the nations of Judah, out of thee shall come he, what's it say? Whose goings forth have been from everlasting. You see, Jesus Christ 
is the preexistent one. When Jesus Christ was praying to the Father in John chapter 17, He said, Now, O Father, restore thou to me the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That's the preexistent Christ. That's the one who came to be born of a virgin. He took upon Himself the robe of flesh so that He could live a sinless life and become that high priest. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we can find mercy and grace to help in time of need. That one who came, he lived that sinless life. He understood what it was like to feel pain. He understood what it was like to be tempted of the evil one. He overcame that and then he overcame death and rose from the dead, proving that he was, is, and always will be God. That's the one that we worship today. Not some baby. We worship the one who came as a baby, was laid in that vile manger, but who grew to be the Son of God. Amen? And live a sinless life. That is who we worship. This is our king. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. 
He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. 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 That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yes. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't him, keep him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory is all his thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen that's the king that came that's the king that we celebrate at Christmas that's the king that wants to be your savior. That's the king that died on the cross for you. That's the king that we worship. That's the one that we ought to bow down before. That's the one that is defiled this time of year. That's the one that is celebrated in ways that bring dishonor to his name. That's the one that we worship. That's the one that we uphold. And that's the one that we remember today. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for who you are.